0: You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Kinney Show. This week it is me, Dr. Kinney, and myself, and I, and I'm going to be chatting about the link between stress and gut health. This is a really important topic, and it's something that's been coming up a lot in my clinical practice. and I just thought it deserved its own episode just to talk about all the different ways that stress can start to affect digestion and how stress can link to leaky gut, how it can you know, cause diarrhea, it can cause constipation, it can cause irritable bowel syndrome, it can cause reflux, it can pretty much stress can affect any part of the digestive system. It can even start to make it so your saliva does not get pr- produced enough. So in order to really understand how stress impacts the digestive system, I'm going to start by... Describing what's supposed to happen in a normal human being who's not stressed in terms of the digestive tract. It's really important to understand how digestion really, really works. And then we'll talk about how stress or the different ways that stress can negatively impact the normal digestive process. So the first thing that actually happens is when you see food or you smell food, we have senses, particularly smell. So let's say you walk into someone's kitchen and you smell, you know, someone cooking a beautiful Italian dinner and you smell the spices and you smell the herbs and this olfactory sense actually is linked into parts of your digestion. So that smell, and you've probably experienced this before, if you smell a lemon, you'll start to get that, or even if you just hear me say the word lemon, you'll start to get that puckering sensation in your mouth and you may actually feel your body secrete extra saliva. So this can start to happen when we smell food right? So this is one of the reasons why, well, I'll get to this in a minute. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, which I tend to do. So first thing that happens, we smell food or even we see food and we see how beautiful it looks or we see how perfectly it's been prepared or, you know, we see our favorite food and we get excited. That's going to actually be the first thing that stimulates our body to start producing one, saliva, and two, all of the digestive juices that Get produced into the stomach, which we're going to go into a little bit more detail in a minute. But so the first step, and when you go to take a bite of whatever that meal is that you're eating, your saliva starts to help the digestion of carbohydrates. So you'll be chewing food, you'll be getting it down into smaller pieces, you know, kind of gets all mushed up in your mouth, and the saliva will start to break down, like I said, some of the carbohydrate pieces. Protein does not get touched in the mouth. Other than if you eat a steak, other than you biting up into smaller pieces, no digestion of the protein actually starts to begin until we get into the stomach. So we swallow that food, that bite of food. The food gets into your stomach. And in a healthy person with a healthy digestion, when the food enters the stomach, if there's already been that preparing of the food, so you've smelled it, you've seen it, or that chewing process has told the pancreas, and the stomach to start to produce digestive enzymes. Now, digestive enzymes come in multiple different forms. The pancreas produces a bunch of them, and some of them help the body digest fats, some of them help the body digest carbohydrates, and some of them help the body digest proteins. So all of those are going to get secreted into the stomach. The other thing that happens is the stomach itself pumps into itself hydrochloric acid, which is acid, and this is what actually keeps the stomach, you know, our stomach has a very, very acidic pH. It usually has a pH of around 2. The rest of our body has a pH of around 7.4. And it's actually the production of that stomach acid which keeps the rest of our body alkaline. And this is something a lot of people don't understand. So we have, there's it's called a bicarb pump. So there's this pump right where the the body is producing hydrochloric acid into the stomach. And what happens, I don't remember the exact chemical reaction, but if you go look this up, I used to know it offhand, but babies in life and whatever. But what happens is the body will essentially take water and hydrogen, and it's making hydrochloric acid and pumping that into the stomach and as it does so it kicks out something called bicarb which is h2co3 which is you know it's it's carbonation it's and it's something that is more alkaline so as we pump in hydrochloric acid so again you smell your food you chew your food all of the digestive juices are getting pumped and the body's sending hydrochloric acid there we're actually helping to alkalize the rest of our body, so we're keeping the rest of our body at the right pH, which is so important for inflammation. In order for us to stay at low inflammatory levels, we want the pH of the body to be around 7.4, and like I said, our body pH is intricately tied to the pH of our stomach, so we want that stomach to have that nice, nice pH of 2. And when the pH of 2 stomach has food enter it, that food, particularly that protein, will get broken down. And whether that's protein from a legume, if you're a vegetarian, or protein from a steak, it doesn't matter. Like I said, all of the proteins need to get broken down in the stomach with the help of that hydrochloric acid and with the help of the pancreatic enzymes. So there's lipase, which helps digest fat. There's um, a whole bunch of proteases, which help digest protein. And then there's a bunch of other enzymes that will help break down those carbohydrates. So... All the food, you know, the purpose of the stomach is to break down food into its molecular components. So let's say you eat a banana. The banana is going to get broken down into a sugar molecule, carbohydrate molecule, some potassium, maybe a little bit of, what else are in bananas? All of the, you know, we think about why we eat food, why we eat healthy food. It's because of the micronutrients, right? So this job of the stomach is to break the food down so that when it gets pumped into the small intestine the small intestine has the capability to absorb it. So this is the next really important thing you have to understand is that our body can't absorb food unless it's broken down to its molecular component. So along the lining of the intestinal tract or throughout the whole intestinal lumen, there are specific transport proteins that are tucked in between these epithelial type cells. And the epithelial type cells are very similar to your skin cells, and they provide kind of this barrier. So, whatever technically goes in your mouth and eventually gets in the small intestine, it doesn't actually get into your bloodstream until the body chooses to put it there. And this is really important to understand if you're trying to, you know, if you think you have leaky gut or you're trying to understand leaky gut. So the body only puts things into the bloodstream that it chooses to in a healthy situation or in a healthy digestive lining. So amidst these epithelial cells, there are these specific transport proteins. There's one for calcium, there's one for sodium, there's one for potassium, there's one for all the different amino acids. Anything that our body needs to absorb at that molecular level has a specific transport protein throughout the lining of the small intestine. So we digest the food in our stomach, we break it down into its molecular components, it comes into the small intestine. Whatever we need, we'll, we'll absorb through these transport proteins. They will, And as they get absorbed through that transport protein, the body uses that transport protein as a way to tag that nutrient saying, hey, this came in through the appropriate route. It's almost like going to, you know, when you go to a a bar and there's a 21 and up age limit, the bouncer puts a stamp on your hand. So then when you enter the bar, everyone at the bar knows that you are approved, you are okay, you are safe to be there. So this is how the body chooses to understand whether or not something is supposed to be in the bloodstream. So if it's coming through the appropriate route, it will have a quote unquote stamp on it and the immune system won't bother it. Remember that, because we're coming back to that later. So we eat the food, it goes into the stomach, it gets broken down, it goes into the small intestine, it gets absorbed in the small intestine. And then whatever the body doesn't want will get pushed to the colon, the colon will reabsorb some of the water and stool will come out on the other end. So that's how the digestive tract is supposed to work, right? there's a lot of places, like I said, where things can potentially go wrong. And one of the first places, so let's say that you are in a super stressed state and you're running around and all of you listeners, I'm sure you know what it feels like to be stressed. So let's imagine you're having a really stressful day and you are eating lunch on the run. So, you know, maybe you've ordered fast food or who knows what else you have done You're on the run You don't smell your food. You don't really maybe look at your food. You're just shoving it into your mouth. You're chewing very quickly. You're taking large swallows. So one, when we miss out on the smelling of the aroma of the food or looking at the food and appreciating it, we're not stimulating the body to start producing that saliva, to start producing those digestive enzymes. So we're already kind of setting the system up to not be in a great receptive mode. Also to remember, if you are in super stress mode, the body has shut the digestive tract off. So typically, saliva production goes down when we're in stress mode. Hydrochloric acid production goes down. Pancreatic enzyme production goes down. So so essentially, you will chew your food. And this typically happens. You know, maybe we don't chew it as well as if we're relaxed, but you'll chew it. So the food will be in somewhat smaller pieces. It will get into the stomach. And most of our stomachs stay mostly with a a slightly more acidic pH. If we're not making a ton of hydrochloride, the stomach is still going to be acidic. It's not going to be, you know, the same pH of the rest of the body. However, if your pH goes up, even to say like a four, so that that when we go higher on the pH scale, that becomes more towards neutral. Once we go above seven, we become more towards basic or alkaline. So if you're in stress mode, typically our stomachs become less acidic. And so if you put food into the stomach... And there's not enough acid there, and the pH is higher than 2, so more basic. One of the things that controls the top, the sphincter of your stomach, which keeps the acid in, is the pH of your stomach. So it's controlled by several other things, but one of the most common things that I see people doing when they get reflux from stress or from eating or whatever is they take Tums or they take acid blockers. So they're taking things that are actually making the stomach even more basic, which is not what we want to do. We want to have the stomach, the stomach needs to have acid in order to break that food down. Because what happens is if we put food into the stomach and there's not enough acid, it's not going to get broken down to its true molecular components. It will still send that food into the small intestine, but the small intestine isn't able to absorb large molecules of food. It can't absorb absorb a piece of steak. It can't absorb a piece of broccoli. It can only absorb the amino acid that that steak was supposed to get broken down into. So here we've seen several different issues. One, if you're in that stress state and we don't have acid turning on, you may find yourself getting reflux after eating or even not with eating. So if you're super stressed out and the body isn't keeping the stomach in an acidic state, that sphincter will start to open. And whether your stomach has a pH of two or a pH of four, That's still very different from a pH of 7.4, which is what your esophagus is. So most reflux, again, there are some cases where this is not the case. But 90% of the time, if you're struggling with reflux, it's just that the acid is in the wrong place. It's not necessarily that you have too much acid. And in a lot of those cases, taking a digestive enzyme and giving the body enzymes and usually some hydrochloric acid will actually help reduce Reflux—it's a—it's a strange phenomenon, but it really, really works. So, and I think if you're listening, you can start to understand why that you know keeping that stomach acidic is really important again for keeping that top stomach sphincter closed and for making sure that food gets broken down into its molecular components. So, let's now go to the second kind of major area where people will start to see things go wrong. Is you know if we're not fully digesting the food in the stomach, we again will have these larger molecules going into the small intestine that do not get absorbed so and what they'll do is they'll kind of bump around it's kind of like scraping the inside of your intestines it's not great it can start to damage those epithelial lining cells it can also start to damage the lining of the digestive tract and it also will leave you malnourished so And over time, if this happens, it can actually start to contribute to weight gain, sometimes weight loss, but usually over time, it contributes to weight gain and increased hunger, even though you may be eating really well. And this is really frustrating for a lot of people. They'll be like, wow, I eat this really great diet, but I'm hungry all the time. I'm craving this. I'm craving that. I'm craving fast food. You're craving nutrients because your body actually isn't absorbing the nutrients. So that's one thing that can happen. The second thing that can happen is this can start to trigger... A dysbiotic state in the small intestine, and this means that the bugs that normally live in your digestive tract, they can get altered, or the environment in which the bugs, the good guy bugs, typically thrive, can get changed. So again, if that, if we think back to when the stomach pH goes up a little bit, it means that the rest of your body is actually going to get slightly more acidic. So if you're super stressed, your stomach pH is going to go up. So let's say the stomach pH goes up to about four. Your pH is not going to change that much, but if it even goes down just a tiny, tiny bit, it's going to change the environment in the small intestine, which is going to make it much more likely for bad bacteria to overgrow. So this can set you up for a situation where something like SIBO can occur, and SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And I've seen so many cases of SIBO in the last three to four months, and I, I just think it's been in people that I wouldn't have expected it. And I think it's because we're headed into year two of the pandemic and chronic stress, even at just low levels, are going to slightly affect that pH in the stomach and it's going to slightly affect the pH in the small intestine. You're not going to be absorbing nutrients as well. We're going to have a pH change which can cause a nicer environment for these not-so-nice bacteria. And typically in SIBO, they're bacteria that will produce methane and or hydrogen. So SIBO symptoms can be extreme bloating like all the time, waking up with crazy bloating, you can have bloating after meals. You know, I'm talking bloating where you look like you're pregnant. It can cause stomach pain. It can cause irregular bowel movements, IBS-like symptoms. It's the cause of a lot of kind of, there's nothing seriously wrong and your doctor will kind of just say, oh, it's no big deal. But SIBO can make you really, really, really miserable. And stress has a direct impact on the cause of SIBO. And whenever I'm treating SIBO, like I said, I'm treating quite a bit of it right now, We first try to remove whatever bugs are living there, but at the end of the day, if we don't address the stress situation and we don't address what's happening in the upper part of the digestive tract, if we don't address when the food's coming into the stomach and making sure that that stomach has the right pH, we're never going to really affect that environment that those bugs are living in. In order for us to get rid of the bad guy bugs, we have to make sure that we're keeping that pH of the small intestine at that nice 7.4 pH, which... When that pH is, when your body's at the correct pH, the right flora can thrive. So, in some people, if they're eating, and I have a lot of patients that will tell me that if they eat on the run or they know when they get stressed, food will just go right through them. And so, this can sometimes be the reaction. Some people will have that reaction where they'll eat and they'll immediately have diarrhea, and that's kind of a stress reaction for them. Other people, they will eat when they're stressed and they'll get really constipated. So, it can go either way, and it kind of just depends on what's going on in your system. But again, It all goes back to basically when you're stressed, nothing works properly in the digestive system. And when things don't work properly in the digestive system, we're not able to break that food down and then we're not able to absorb those nutrients properly. So I know that was a lot of information. But I think it's really important for people to understand this. And so I'm going to talk about a few tips to help prevent this. I'm not going to talk about any specific treatments for anything. If you have questions about that, call your naturopathic doctor if you'd like to work with me you're welcome to call and set up a free consult. Like I said, I I treat stress-related GI issues a lot. So if you are struggling with this and maybe you already have a doctor that you're working with, one of the first things that I have all of my patients that have any sort of stress-related GI dysfunction going on is to start taking belly breaths. Before each meal. So, a belly breath would be placing one hand on the belly, one hand on the heart, and taking a really deep breath in and making sure that the hand on the belly is the one that's moving. So, we're trying to put oxygen and blood flow into that digestive tract. Now, if you want to do this and you have a favorite food smell, maybe you like the smell of chocolate, or maybe you like the food smell of Italian food, or you like the smell of pizza, or whatever, whatever food smell makes you hungry smelling that can be a really great way to calm your system down. So using smells can be a wonderful way to kind of activate your digestive juices from that, you know, get that saliva going, which will then tell the body to turn on the digestive tract. So take a few deep breaths. You can even do this with essential oils, any sort of olfactory response. So smelling anything, I, I particularly actually like people to smell basil, whether it's cooked or you could just get the basil oil. Basil helps to calm the nervous system down. So smelling Italian food usually is something that always makes people hungry because of that basil and the action that basil has on the nervous system. So I encourage you to try this and do this this, you know, for a couple of minutes before you put food into your system. So if you're typically someone that eats on the run, and maybe that's something you can't change about your life, do not eat while driving in the car. You can eat in your car, but make sure you're not driving. Because typically when we're driving, our fight flight system, you know, we're, we're in go mode. We're trying to make sure we don't crash the car. So pull the car over, take five minutes, take a couple of deep breaths, and then eat your food. If you have the luxury of eating every meal sitting down, make sure you smell your food, you appreciate your food. Try to make meals a little mini ritual, because that's going to help calm your nervous system down, which is going to eventually help you digest your food better and reduce the likelihood that you will develop any sort of digestive complications. So my other tip is is digestive enzymes are a huge, huge friend, particularly around the holidays or if you know you have to go to a party or you know you're going to be in a situation where you're having a meal with people, you know, maybe it's a work dinner and there's some friction there and digestive enzymes So what they'll do is essentially if you're in a stressful situation and you're having a hard time calming the body down, and this is something I do with a lot of my patients when we're first working to get the digestive tract back on track, is I'll have them take a digestive enzyme with each meal. And if you're curious about enzymes, you can look them up online. In most cases, I recommend you look for one that has a full spectrum of ones that will break down carbohydrates, digestive enzymes that'll break down protein, digestive enzymes that'll break down fats, and in a lot of cases, hydrochloric acid as well. Make sure if you have really bad reflux and you have not been checked for an ulcer, hold off on taking a digestive enzyme with hydrochloric acid until you talk to your doctor. There are a few cases where the hydrochloric acid can make make things worse. However, in most of the cases, with anything, make sure you're clearing this with whatever practitioner you're working with. But digestive enzymes plus deep breathing before each meal can really go a long way to making sure that whatever stressful thing going on in your life is not going to have a major impact on the digestive tract. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope this was helpful. I feel like I had this conversation a lot with my patients and I thought it would be a great podcast episode. So thanks so much. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you next week.